Good morning, Texas Values friends, and welcome to the Texas Values Report. I'm Mary Elizabeth Castle, the Policy Advisor at Texas Values, and I'm so glad you're listening to us, whether it's on the weekend, uh, through the radio, or if you're turning into Facebook Live. I hope you're staying warm in the surprise cold front that we have. But I want you to know that we have a very special guest uh, here on the show today. As you know, we're an organization that stands for faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas, which means religious liberty is a strong pillar um, for our organization and something that we fight for um, at Texas Values. And today we have a very fascinating religious liberty uh, story. Um, Our guest today is Eric Buer. He was a public school teacher before founding Gateways to Better Education, a nonprofit organization founded in 1991 to help public school educators, parents, and school leaders teach about the important contribution the Bible and Christianity make to the world. Gateways to Better Education shows public schools how to do this legally and appropriately within existing constitutional boundaries, current laws, and state academic standards. Eric is also a published author and nationally recognized authority on the subject of religion and public education. Eric, thank you for being on our show today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Yes, Eric. And so tell us a little bit about Gateways to Better Education. I think a lot of parents, you know, don't really know uh, how to, you know, balance between raising their child um, to be bold about their faith, but also attending a public school. And I think your organization does a good job at telling parents how to navigate that. So tell us more about your organization. Well, we equip the Christian who is in the public school, uh, as you said in the introduction, both as teachers, what they can do in terms of the classroom, and parents, how to navigate the schools. And the key thing is it's about relationships. You have to have relationships with your kids' teachers, understand them, have conversations about the things that they're learning, and also be familiar with what the law allows and what the academic expectations are in your state. In Texas, students are expected to learn all about the Bible and Christianity and its impact on the state of Texas and the impact on the nation and the world. And so you can uh, talk to the teacher about the need to to meet those standards and actually uh, teach those things in the classroom. So there's so many things you can do as a parent, but it takes that interaction, not just sending your kids to school and hoping for the best, but interacting with the teacher. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think it's very important for parents to really know uh, who's teaching their kids and to have that relationship uh, with the teachers. And like you said, in Texas, you know, we do uh, emphasize that, you know, the Bible's an important thing for kids to learn. Uh, Actually, our organization did some work at the State Board of Education where they were trying to take Moses out of the teaching standards. But one of the things that I testified about was how Moses was, you know, the giver of laws in our society. And he was, you know, a very important figure for public school students uh, to learn about. Well, uh, one of the reasons we have you on our show is because you actually had an amazing opportunity recently uh, to go to the White House. You know, we've been telling our viewers about uh, what President Trump has done about religious freedom in schools and what he's done recently to make those religious freedom protections stronger. And so can you talk a little bit about... um, some of those uh, orders that were passed and some of those um, things that were, you know, strengthened for public school students and religious freedom? Sure. Uh, Well, for the past three years, since uh, President Trump 
came into office, we have been advocating with the Department of Education to update its guidance on students' religious liberties. Uh, This was supposed to have been done every two years, starting in 2003, and it had never been done. It was released in 2003 and then nothing else. And uh, so we appealed to them. We gave them recommendations for what we thought needed to be added to the the, uh, guidelines. And uh, we are very grateful that they were very responsive and open to our recommendations. And so uh, the surprise was I got invited back to the Oval Office to be a part of the announcement with the president, with Secretary DeVos. And the guidelines really have been expanded. We're so delighted they actually um, included many of our recommendations. For instance, um, it focused mainly on prayer. And the reason for that was because Congress had passed a law in 2002 that required schools to have policy to ha- to indicate or certify that they had no policy restricting student prayer. Well, that's a rather low bar. I mean, you can say, sure, we have no policy restricting student prayer. We don't like it. We don't approve of it. But uh, yeah, we have no policy. So now what the uh, department has done is they've actually added accountability into that and requiring schools to report any complaints, not only about prayer, but about religious expression. If students feel that their religious expression has been suppressed by the school, the school has to report that. And um, they've added not just prayer, but also religious expression. So it's not a matter of I can pray at lunch and recess and school breaks, but I can talk to my classmates about my faith. I can actually, and they actually have the words in there. I can seek to persuade them regarding oh, my wow. faith. I can distribute literature, uh, inviting my friends to church or to an event. Uh, I can wear clothing that uh, has religious messages on it. So these were important things to add because it's more than just about prayer. It's also about the whole spectrum of religious expression. But then they also added at our request that they address what teachers can do. So they have a section in there on uh, teachers being able to teach about religion, and that teachers also have the freedom to pray, not with students, but they have the freedom to pray with their colleagues. And basically, anytime you can have personal time, like if you can make a personal phone call, you can meet with somebody and pray with them. And uh, so it really did expand the whole spectrum of of religious Mm -hmm. expression. They also did something else that I thought was great, and that was instead of just talking about religious content of a person's speech, they talked about religious perspectives. And I think that's important wording, because in today's world, in the last 10 years, there's growing pressure on educators to suppress any viewpoints that are considered hateful or, or uh, bigoted, especially on issues of abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, or gender identity issues. And so that, as that pressure builds, that terminology of uh, allowing religious perspectives is really important because that means those students cannot be silenced. Wow, that's pretty amazing that, you know, we do have that in the schools now, you know, religious perspective, because we are, you know, in this growing uh, 
tension, you know, in society about, you know, uh, kids kind of feel pressured to not, you know, speak up or to kind of suppress, you know, their biblical beliefs that they're learning at home. So I think that's really important that their perspective is, you know, protected in schools because in reality it's protected by the First Amendment. And I think that's really important that kids can now, you know, actually exercise their First Amendment rights in school and they're not, you know, suppressed, you know, in school. Yeah, that's. I think that's an important point is that the these rights have been there all along. What this does is clarify and make plain for teachers and administrators that these are what their rights are. So it's not adding new rights, but it's drawing clarity to what the First Amendment actually means when it says that you have the freedom to express your faith. Right. Right, that's very good. And I also like the fact that there's some, you know, enforcement to it, too. Like you said, you know, it's not just, oh, we're not going to pass laws that, you know, don't infringe, but we'll actually give kids a remedy, you know, if there actually is infringement. And I like that part as well. Yeah, it's an important component because uh, that way states are on notice. What happens is a school district has to report to the state. The state has to report to the federal government any complaints from parents, teachers, or students. Yeah, that's very good. Um, And can you talk a little bit about the Equal Access Act? Um, You know, that was something that came up as well. Equal Access Act has been around for a long time. It basically says that students have equal access to school facilities to start clubs, for for instance, religious clubs, and they can't be discriminated against. <clears throat> if a school has non-curricular clubs not related to the curriculum, uh, then they have to allow political clubs and religious clubs. And so if a student wants to form a Christian club, they can't be denied, and they have to be given equal access to bulletin boards, the school newspaper, uh, morning announcements, anything that any other club would have. They have to have equal access to it. Some of the new language that they've also clarified based on more recent court cases, one of the things is that the club leadership, uh, it's perfectly acceptable for the clubs to expect that their club leadership hold to their religious doctrines. Now, that may seem obvious to most people, (laughs) but there is a movement, especially at the university level, but it it could be trickling down to the uh, high school level, that you can't, quote-unquote, discriminate against somebody by requiring them to abide by your religious beliefs in order to lead your club, (laughs) which seems ridiculous, but but I'm so glad that they did clarify that. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, our organization is closely tied to, you know, First Liberty Institute. Uh, They actually helped found our organization. And, you know, they see a lot of kids, you know, come to them who have said that their religious group or their Christian, you know, after school club was denied, you know, not just advertisement in the school newspaper or, you know, putting posters up, but they were weren't even allowed to form. And so, you know, it's really important that, you know, kids and even their parents realize that they have the right to have those after-school clubs that are Christian clubs. And like you said, it's becoming a growing issue. I can't remember the exact university, but I mean, it's happening everywhere where they actually 
uh, took away a Christian club status because of what you said. Um, they wanted a leader or a president of that club who actually held to their Christian beliefs. And, you know, it's more than one college now, but there was one college in the news um, that actually faced that issue. But I mean, I think, you know, if it were any other secular club and you had, you know, a list of requirements, you know, to be a part of that club, you know, it would make sense that you would have someone, you know, fit those requirements. But, you know, in the same vein, a Christian organization should be able to have a Christian leader or even, you know, a Muslim organization should be able to have a Muslim leader. And it's something that's allowed in the First Amendment. And it's, you know, kind of common sense. It is common sense. By the way, it was uh, so fun to uh, be with Kelly Shackelford back there at the White House as oh, well. That's great. They yes. had brought students in with their stories to share in the Oval Office experience and had a chance to, to fellowship with Kelly and, and his team, and it was a lot of fun. That's good. That's good. And, you know, it's always good to hear the personal stories of people and what they faced. And, you know, First Liberty has a good track record of just really helping those students, you know, with their First Amendment rights. And so that's a good experience. So is there anything else you could share about, you know, being in the Oval Office? You know, is it as fancy as we imagine or (laughs) anything else, you know, that's... It, it was a fun. It was a fun experience, and it was it was fun because before we went in, they said, "Now the press is going to be in there, and they're going to be going crazy. So just right. ignore them." Right. <laughs> and sure enough, that was true. As soon as uh, they came in, man, the cameras were clicking. It was it was a lot of chaos, but but it was a great experience, and uh, so appreciative of uh, what this administration has done. By the way, uh, we're going to be coming to Texas. In February, uh, oh, wow. we do we do a seminar for parents and for teachers, parents on how to navigate the public schools, and teachers, all the things they can do within their classrooms, kindergarten through twelfth grade, across the subject matters, what the Bible, what the law really says about the Bible, and teaching about Christianity, what your state academic standards say. We customize it for every state that we go into. So we're going to be in Dallas at uh, Watermark Church in their Dallas campus. Um, Friday, February 28th, we'll be there for parents, doing our parent seminar that evening. And Saturday morning from 8.30 to uh, 12.30 for teachers. It's a four-hour presentation. They're going to walk away with tons of resources. And uh, it's literally going to be a life-changing experience for teachers because, as I like to say, it helps set the captives free. Teachers Mm -hmm. feel so bound, like they can't say anything or do anything. And they walk, all we do is pull back the curtain and say, here's all the things you can do that you thought you couldn't do, and here's how to do them. And uh, so it's very impactful. We'll be there February 28th and 29th at... uh, Watermark Church in Dallas. Hope all your uh, listeners can can come. Yeah, I hope, you know, if you're listening to this program, uh, you know, that you check this out. You go to um, Gateways to Better Education website. Is that where you can register? 
Yeah, they can visit gogateways.org and then just click on events and that's where they can learn about it. Gogateways.org. All right, go to gogateways.org and please register for this, especially for our uh, supporters in the Dallas area. Please go to this event. I think it's really important for parents uh, to learn about their rights. And if you're a school teacher, and we have a lot of supporters who are school teachers and who are really strong in their faith, you know, go and be set free and learn your religious freedom rights. Absolutely. would love to see you. And make sure you come up and let us know that you're part of Texas Values. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for coming on our show and sharing the great work you're doing and your experiences. And, you know, we hope you have a great weekend. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Good to be with you. All right. All right, Texas Values friends. So, you know, we heard a great story about religious freedom and kind of, you know, how other people are working really hard, you know, to make sure that people know their freedom of religion and their First Amendment rights. But, you know, in the vein of education, there's a lot that we have to talk about, you know, as far as, you know, being an informed parent and knowing uh, what your rights are as a parent. And part of that is you know, like Eric said, meeting with the teachers and talking to them and having that relationship with them. But, you know, also in the state of Texas, it's about knowing what's happening politically uh, with your kid's education career. And this week, we were at the State Board of Education. Uh, Being involved with the State Board of Education as a parent is, you know, something that I would encourage you to do because it's a very open and transparent process. I mean, they have their meetings out in the open. You get to see everything that they vote through, and they allow testimony almost every time they meet. Um, And so this week I was at the State Board of Education, and like we've been informing you, they're going over the health standards, which includes sex education, and now they're taking up the science standards um, as well. And so we'll be calling for people to be on work groups for the science standards. Um, One interesting thing that did happen at the State Board of Education is they had discussion for a a possible class about positive character traits. And that was the, there was a bill by uh, Representative Bohack, um, I think it was 1026, uh, that, you know, asked that the State Board of Education would make it mandatory for kids to study, you know, positive character traits. And while this wasn't a bill we really advertised, it was a bill that um, I did drop a card on because a lot of the positive character traits were Christian character traits like honesty and trustworthiness and a lot of things that you would, you know, consider uh, the fruit of the spirit. Um, And so that was something positive that we're seeing at the State Board of Education, that they care about the whole child and that we are seeing positive gains like we saw with, uh, you know, the social study standards and with adding Moses, you know, to the teaks. There are positive gains happening at the state level, but you have to be educated and you have to pay attention to what's going on to make sure that the State Board of Education is upholding good standards uh, for our Texas public school students. Um, also in education news, uh, we have the Stand Up for Children ATX website that just launched. If you remember, uh, a lot of the parents who testified against the sex education curriculum in Austin formed up a coalition called Stand Up for Children ATX. So uh, if you have time this weekend, please go to standupforchildrenatx.org and you can go to that website to learn about the good work that they uh, it's dash standupforchildren-atx.org, and you can find out about the work they're doing uh, in regards to forming a sit-out, um, 
whenever they teach a sex ed uh, curriculum, but also pay attention to Texas values because we'll have some updates as well um, on that curriculum. Uh, last but not definitely not least, uh, you may remember that we talked about being a part of the Texas Rally for Life, and that was last weekend, and it, it was an amazing march. Um, I had the opportunity to actually be a guest on the stage at the march, and it was just a beautiful sight to see thousands and thousands of people there um, at the march, uh, thousands more than last year. Um, I actually sat on the stage last year as well, and I could tell there were just a significant amount more of people uh, there at this march. I mean, they had an amazing gospel choir, similar to the one I grew up to, uh, singing, and it was just beautiful to see the people pour in as they sang Oh Happy Day, and they had amazing speakers like Representative Jeff Leach, Congressman Chip Roy, uh, and of course, Claire Colwell. You may remember Claire Colwell as being an abortion provider. She was actually a twin an abortion a survivor, excuse me. Uh, she was actually a twin, um, and the mother went in for an abortion, and they actually uh, aborted the twin, but Claire survived, um, and she was born, I believe, at an abortion clinic. And so she's a survivor of abortion, and she's been a very strong advocate of the pro-life movement. And it was amazing to hear her story and hear her speak and have the opportunity to meet her. And so the Texas Rally for Life was just a great event, uh, just a blessing to be a part of. And so if you missed it this year, definitely be a part of it next year. It's in January every year. And I believe we actually had some people, uh, some former interns from Texas Values who were a part of the National Pro-Life event. And so if you ever have the chance to go to D.C. and be a part of that event, now I think that event had hundreds of thousands of people there. Uh, and so that was a huge event, um, you know, to see people from all across the country, you know, stand up for pro-life and stand up for the pro-life movement. And I will say, you know, there's an increasing amount of like teenagers and college students. And I noticed this in Austin as well, who are part of this movement. And, you know, I think you have to realize that, you know, it's a growing movement and people are finally waking up, you know, to the injustice of abortion. And there's it's just a growing movement where people from all walks of life are saying, yes, we're standing for life and we want to see things change in our state. And things are beginning to change in our state. You know, with the laws that we passed last session, we have a way to go. But things are changing. And that's very encouraging that we have so many people behind us, people who are not just policymakers, but students, kids, adults, people who survived abortion, people who have regretted their abortions. They're all backing behind us and we can see change in our state and in this country. Also, if you haven't registered to vote, you have two days. So please get on it. Uh, go to the mailbox today. Go to the mailbox tomorrow. It has to be postmarked by February 3rd, postmarked February 3rd to count for the March primaries. It's really important that you get out to vote. So please register if you have not done so. Some of you have moved to a new place. Some of you, it's been a while. Uh, some of you have never voted. I, If you've never voted, please vote. Please enact that right to vote and make your voice heard. But you're running 
kind of low on time, but you still have time. You still have time to go on the website. You still have time to go to the appropriate offices and places. There's so many things in place to help you to register to vote. So don't procrastinate any longer. Do it today. Do it tomorrow. Have it postmarked February 3rd, whatever you need to do. Please register to vote. And, of course, Texas Values always has information uh, for you uh for you on elections. But at the same time, you know, you see the work that we're doing. It takes a lot of man hours and a lot of manpower and to put on this radio show to do the work that we do, you know, to go to the March for Life. So please, please, you know, bless this organization with your donations. They're always welcome. Go to txvalues.org. You can donate through Facebook nowadays. You can mail in a donation. Whatever you do, just please uh Put your money where your values are. And, you know, you can see great things happen when you put your money where your values are. Well, that's it for today with the Texas Values Report. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and please tune in next week.